Well, it could have happened anywhere. In fact, it probably has happened most places uh, from generation to generation. And what I'm talking about is the hike, the hike where the children are told, hey, kids, we're going to go for a hike. And the kids go, Dad, no, yes, we're going to go for a hike. And so the, the family goes out for the hike. And this is going to be a great hike. It's a hike that no one has ever done before, uh, least of all Dad. And they hike out and they see the beautiful view. And it wasn't as far of a view and the hike was not as difficult as we had imagined that it would be. And so Dad says the magic words, let's take the other way on the way back. And the children say, no, Dad, please don't make us take the other way on the way back. And Dad says, no, it'll be great. It was a very short hike on the way here. The view was beautiful, but we'll just take the other way through the woods on the way back. I read the guidebook, and it said that if you go and you take the right, it will be perfect. And the, the kids are going, no, Dad, please don't take us that way. But off the family goes into the woods, and they take the faded right. And after a mile, everyone is sure it is a mile, Dad, weren't we supposed to be back to the parking lot by now? We haven't gone as far as you think we have. Distances feel different in the woods, and so we haven't gone as far as you think we have. Dad, we've definitely gone more than a mile now. No, no, we still haven't gone a mile yet. We, we are not yet there. And you come to another fork, and the kids are going, was there supposed to be another fork, Dad? With great confidence, Dad says, oh, yeah. We're supposed to go right again. And as you continue to hike, the, the, the hill begins to descend, and you, the kids are now recognizing that the further down this hill they go, in all likelihood, the further up this hill they will have to come back. Because at this point, everyone in the whole family knows that dad is lost and does not know how to get back to the parking lot going this direction because by now everyone has become convinced that this is not the direction back to the parking lot. But dad is the least likely to be convinced because he knows, he knows that this was the right way to go. And so then the kids start asking these questions. Dad, did you notice that the sun is now setting in the east? Dad, did you notice that we keep descending when the parking lot is above us? Dad, did you notice? And Dad is going, nope, nope, this is the way, this is the way. Contrary to all evidence, this is the way that we must go. Until finally, one would hope, Dad relents and says, okay, let's go back. At which point the kids are not sure if they are happy or sad. Happy because finally they are going back to the parking lot. Sad because they know it is a long, long way back now. The reason that I tell you this story is because we are running into this issue in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, we are seeing some people who, contrary to all the evidence, are stuck in their ways and more and more people are saying, but look at the evidence, but look at the evidence. And they are still stuck in their ways and they're going, no, no, follow us. We know where we're going and it's this way. And so if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 is where we're going to be starting. And I'd like to read this for you. 
Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then would his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. If we look at verse 22, we see that there is a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute that was brought to Jesus. Right? Jesus has been uh, healing people. You'll remember that he had some controversies with the Pharisees about Sabbath. Jesus had said, come to me, all you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. And immediately after that, he begins having these debates with the Pharisees about rest, specifically on the Sabbath. What can be done and what can't be done on the Sabbath? And Jesus is clarifying for them, but the more he clarifies that good can be and should be done on the Sabbath, and that the Sabbath was a time given to God's people for them to rest in the work that God has done and acknowledge Him. They did not understand these things because they thought that this was a time for religious duties when they would perform before God and say to God, look, I am holy like you are, please accept me. And Jesus is trying to clarify for them who he is and who, what the Sabbath is, and they are becoming more and more frustrated with him. So that when on the Sabbath he heals a man with a withered hand, the Pharisees then begin to conspire and say, we are going to have to kill this guy. We are going to have to get rid of this guy. Not only is he doing these things, but his disciples are following him, and they are following him away away from all that we know, all that we know about honoring God and working, walk, walking in, uh, in righteousness and following Him. And then last week, we looked at uh, this quotation that uh, Matthew had about Jesus. He said, this was to fulfill uh, the words that were spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And we spent a lot of time last week looking at those words from the prophet Isaiah. And so uh, I'm going to just very cursory look at uh, Isaiah 42. But if you want to look at the fuller context, you can go back and listen to last week's sermon that goes from 40 to 44, to uh, Isaiah 40 to 44 to get the, the context here. But here in Isaiah 42, we have this. 
Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Matthew says that, that uh, this prophecy of Isaiah is looking forward to Jesus, and Jesus, in healing on the Sabbath and bringing rest, is fulfilling these prophecies. And now, immediately following that, we have this in, Isaiah, uh, sorry, in Matthew 12, verse 22, that the demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that he spoke and he saw. Now, if you remember, in the context of, of Isaiah, what is happening is, is Jesus... Uh, uh, sorry, let me back up. What's happening in the context of Isaiah is that God is talking to the people and he's saying, look, all of the Gentiles all over the place are worshiping these idols that they have made with their hands. They've built these idols out of gold and wrapped them with silver or they've made them out of wood and they've nailed them down to try and secure them so that they won't be moved. But they are acting like people who are blind and deaf. They are not seeing me. They are not seeing God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is none who compares to me. And then you remember that he said, but my servant Israel is supposed to stand as a witness to fulfill the covenant to Abraham that they would see me, that they would know me, that they would make me known and a blessing to all nations. And then what happens is that he goes on to say, but they also are blind and deaf and are also turning away from me. Even though you Israelites were supposed to be my people, a light to the nations, you also are blind and deaf. Now, having just quoted from that context in Isaiah, Matthew says, and they brought to him somebody who was blind and deaf. That is a strange coincidence. What a strange coincidence that they brought somebody who was blind and deaf, and what did Jesus do? He heals him. He heals him. Matthew is very clearly saying this was to fulfill. Otherwise, why would you put that quote from Isaiah right in this section, right? Isaiah, uh, Matthew could have put that Isaiah quote anywhere in the book of Matthew, but he puts it right here 
as the Pharisees are beginning to get all worked up about who Jesus is, and right before you have this person who is blind and mute being brought to Jesus, and Jesus heals him so that the man spoke and saw. He demonstrates, this is who I am. And Matthew says, and we know it was to fulfill all those prophecies in Isaiah. The day would come where the servant of the Lord would come and bring justice to the world and be a light to the nations, and he would open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. And here he is. And this is what he's doing. And in fact, the people recognize it. In verse 23, it says, And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? Could this be him? Could this be the Messiah that we have been waiting for? The anointed one? The chosen one of God? Could this be the one that we are waiting for? Have we ever seen this happen before? That someone who was blind and deaf was now able to speak and hear and see? It's got to be him. Doesn't it have to be him? Doesn't it have to be him? Wasn't this the same guy that, that uh, stilled the sea? Isn't this the same guy that, that unwithered the, the wrinkled hand? This, this has to be him. And the, the crowds are, are beginning to buzz and they're beginning to talk about it. And they're beginning to figure it out and they're saying, this, this has to be him. This has to be him. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Now everybody is beginning to believe that Jesus is someone special. And they're beginning to identify that this is the one who was prophesied back in Isaiah and way before. That he would come to fulfill all of the prophecies of God. They were beginning to identify him, but the Pharisees are going, nope, nope. Nope. That's not the right way to follow God. That's not the right way to follow God. You have to follow all the rules. You have to follow all the rules, and then God will love you. God doesn't love sinners. God doesn't love the unrighteous. He loves the righteous. He loves the holy people. He loves the people that have their act together. He loves the people that do all the right things. This man, Jesus, is leading people astray. He's going the wrong way. You should follow us. Follow us. Don't follow him. And you can now see this picture, I'm hoping, of the kids going, but do you see that the sun is setting in the east? But, but Pharisees, what about the, what about the, the healing of the hand? But, 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 but Pharisees, what about the opening of the eyes? What about the unstopping of the ears? But Pharisees, look at all the things he does. Listen to all the things he says. Have we ever seen or heard anything like this ever before? And just like the dad that's leading the kids further and further into the woods and further and further away from the parking lot. 
though it is becoming more and more obvious that they are wrong, has to go, uh, no, the distance, it's not as far as you thought. Uh, it's the, there's light, there's, it's tricking you. You think that it's setting over there, but it's actually setting over here. And the, the, like the explanations just get more and more crazy as dad is trying to cling to this idea that he's right and everybody else is wrong. And the Pharisees are doing that same thing. When the Pharisees heard it, verse 24, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. I know what it is. You know how he healed him. You know how he cast out those demons? It's because he had the power of the prince of demons. This guy isn't good. He is so bad, so evil, you should not follow him. You should not follow him. Well, what's the response to that? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. Pharisees, Jesus says, can I um, just talk this through with you? So you are proposing that I am casting out demons by the prince of demons. That it is by the prince of demons that I am empowered to cast out smaller demons. Let's think that through. If that were to be the case, then I would be divided against myself. In, in sports, we call that an own goal. You, you scored on yourself. You scored an own goal. He said, are, are you saying that I'm scoring an own goal. Because if a house is divided against itself, it's not going to stand. If a kingdom is divided against itself, it's not going to stand. Now, they had experience with this in their history because they had the kingdom, the, the kingdom of David, right? That great kingdom. And this was when Israel was at its peak. David was the king and everything was wonderful. And then there started to be this division in the kingdom. There started to be a division between David and his son Absalom. And there started to be some discussion about who was going to be king. And then there was division between Absalom and David's other son, Solomon. And then who was going to be the king? And what happened? Israel became divided. Israel became divided. Jesus is saying, if, if Satan casts out Satan, then he's divided against himself. How then would his kingdom stand? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Satan would attack himself. What would he gain by that? That's, that's not what's going on here. It doesn't even make sense. You're, you're just like wildly accusing me of things and you're making it up. He says, and let's, let's take it another step. Let's just suppose, okay, Satan is divided against himself. We'll set that aside. 
verse 27. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, then by whom do your sons cast them out? Okay. If that's how I do it, how do you and your followers do it? Are you also followers of Satan? Are you also doing miraculous works by the power of Beelzebul? I'm just, I'm just taking it to its logical conclusion. I'm just trying to apply to you what you're applying to me. If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Let them decide. Let them tell you what power I do this by. Verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is the crux of it. This is the heart of the issue right here. And this is the part that they are going, no, 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 I, I can't hear you. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I, I, I refuse to see or acknowledge that that is the case. He said, because Jesus is saying, look, if you look at the evidence, the way that the evidence stacks up is evidence that I am the coming king. I am the Messiah the son of David, who is coming to fulfill all of the prophecies and make things right again. And they're going, no, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Because the reality is, if Jesus is the coming king that they expected, then he gets to say, this is how it is. And if that's how it is, then these Pharisees have been wrong, very wrong, for a long time. Have you ever been wrong about something for a long time? And then somebody explains it to you, and even though it makes perfect sense, you go, I'm not sure about that. Because I've thought this for a really long time. We hate to admit when we're wrong. We hate to ad admit that we have been wrong, especially if it's been for a long time. If I just found out about something, I, I see it and I see it, and I say, oh, I think it's this, and then somebody else goes, no, no, it isn't. Oh, yeah, I saw it wrong. That's fine. I just, I looked at it wrong and I, I misunderstood what I was looking at. But when I've been holding that point of view for a long time, it is much harder for me to let go of that and to acknowledge I'm wrong. And these Pharisees, though the evidence is piling up and piling up and piling up and piling up, these Pharisees are going, uh, no, no, I don't want to admit that. No, I really like the way that things are. I really like having a God that will love me because I am doing the right things. 
I've been working really hard to do all the right things for a long time. Are you telling me that that's not why God loves me? Are you telling me that I'm not better than everyone else because I have devoted my entire life to acts of righteousness? You're telling me that all those other losers are just as well accepted by God? I don't want to hear that. I've built my whole way of living around this. But Jesus is saying, no, listen, listen. Here's the evidence. The evidence is that I am doing things that have never been seen or done before. And even when your sons do things that are similar in smaller degree, you acknowledge that that is the power of God at work. And so when I come and do things that are more marvelous and more grand, then you must acknowledge that this is the power of God at work in this place through me. The Spirit of God is on me to do this so that you will know the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is entering now. This is the beginning. Come on. Come on, guys. You can get this. You can do this. Have you ever watched a kid that's working on something and you're coaching them? You're not going to give them the right answer. You're just coaching them and you're willing them to get it. You're just willing them to get it. Come on. Come on. You can do this. Yep. And four plus two is... Come on, come on. And I just feel like that's how Jesus is going here. But look it, if all of this stuff is happening in the way that it's happening, then it means that, yes, the kingdom of God is coming. Here it is. That's what it means. Yes. And look at all these crowds that are getting it. They're asking the right questions. Wait, is this the son of David? Hello, yes, son of David, right here, Messiah. I'm the one. Let, let's, let's go on, he says. Okay, or else, verse 29, how could someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. He goes, look, look. Otherwise, if it's not that I am empowered by the Spirit of God, then how would anyone go and unstop this guy's ears unloosen his tongue so that he could speak and open his eyes. If Satan has so bound him in this way, then who would be able to free him unless Satan is first pushed aside, taken out of the way, moved out so that he doesn't have authority here? The only way that you could do that is if you came in and were stronger than him. You would have to bind the strong man first. And look at me, Jesus is saying. Look at me. Satan doesn't stand a chance. It is not that I'm able to do these things because I work for Satan. I am able to do these things because Satan is constrained and is unable to stop me from bringing my kingdom. He is unable to stop me. 
And you're not going to be able to stop me either. In fact, in Colossians 2, verse 15, it says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That is that God uh, used Jesus to disarm the rulers and authorities by the act of Jesus dying on the cross. All the accusations, all the legal claims that that were filed against sinners are done away. Jesus says, I broke it. They were armed with one thing and one thing only. They could accuse you of sin. That's what they could do. And they can tie people into knots by accusing you of sin. There are people who are paralyzed Paralyzed with fear because of being accused of sin. And Jesus says, but that's all that they can do. And so when I remove your sin, you are set free and they have no other weapons. They have been disarmed. Oh, they can squawk and make a lot of noise. They can roar, but there's no teeth to that bite. They've got nothing. Nothing. Jesus has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame because they accuse sinners of uh, their sin. And Jesus says, it's okay, I have taken your sin. I have taken your sin. I have taken the punishment for your sin already. And I have imparted to you my righteousness. You may stand before God guiltless, Guiltless. So Jesus has laid all of this out and he's been very clear. Look, here's what this means. If I do these things that you just saw I did, right? There's no debate about whether or not Jesus was able to do those things. What comes into debate is how was he able to do it? And Jesus is very clear and said, look, the only way that this is possible, that I could have done these things, is because the Spirit of God is with me. And what that means, the implications of that, are that the kingdom of God is here. Therefore, verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Look, Pharisees, You have to come to terms with the evidence. You have to stop covering your ears and covering your eyes so that you are willfully blind and deaf. Because even those who are physically blind and physically deaf, I can remove those obstacles from from them so that they will understand. You have to stop being willingly blind and deaf to all that I am doing and saying. Because if you are on the opposite side, if you are not with me, then you are against me. And when I am gathering people into my kingdom, you are trying to scatter them out of it. Guys, that's not where you want to be. You don't want to be outside my kingdom. You don't want to be opposed to me. You don't want to pull people out of my kingdom. I have authority and power over Satan 
over life and death. I hold the keys to the kingdom. It is through me that you enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, I tell you, verse 31, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. What is the blasphemy that has been happening against the Holy Spirit here? They have attributed the work of the Spirit of God through Jesus to be the work of Satan. They are calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good. You, you can't. You can't come into the kingdom of heaven while refusing to acknowledge that that which is good is good. You cannot reject the work of the Holy Spirit and come into the kingdom of heaven. Every other sin, that's literally the good news, right? The gospel that Jesus is proclaiming is that sins can be forgiven. Those who are sinners can be forgiven because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to forgive their sin. So when you sin against other people, Jesus says, I can forgive that sin. When you sin against Jesus, he says, I can forgive that sin too. You've been accusing me of things. That's okay. We can, we can repent of those sins and you can be forgiven. But if you stand in a posture where you are rejecting the Holy Spirit, you are willingly deaf and blind and you cannot be forgiven of that. It's the only thing. You are rejecting the Spirit of God. I was trying to think of an example of, of, of why, why this in particular. And I, I don't have a very good one, but I've got this. This is what I came up with. Let's say you say, I, I would really like to solve this Sudoku. Okay, you want to sol solve this Sudoku? Okay, great. And Sudoku, that's the one where you have all the little boxes with all the little numbers in it, and you have to get numbers one through nine in this row and one through nine in this column and one through nine in every little square with the little squares inside, right? And you have to do that. And then if you get all of them all right, put all the numbers in all the right places, then you've solved the Sudoku. And sometimes they have almost no numbers starting out and you have to work really hard. And sometimes almost all the numbers are filled out. But what if I say to you, okay, you want to do the Sudoku? So what you have to do is you start having to use the numbers one through nine and fill them in the little boxes. And you say, oh, no, no, I don't want to use any numbers. Well, that's, I mean, that's literally what Sudoku is. No, I want to solve the Sudoku. I just don't want to have to use any numbers. Okay, that's literally what Sudoku is. You have to write numbers into the boxes. Otherwise, you cannot solve Sudoku. Can I use letters? No. Hieroglyphics. No. You can't solve Sudoku without writing little numbers in. That, that's how it has to be. And what Jesus is saying is, look, if you want to solve the problem of your sin, you have to have the Holy Spirit do that. You cannot reject the Holy Spirit. 
It's like we've got the whole Sudoku, and all you have to do is write one nine right in the middle. Boom, Sudoku solved. And Jesus is telling you, I'll tell you what number goes right there. It's nine. It's nine. And the Pharisees are going, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to draw all my letters in. I'm really good at letters. And I'm going to write all my letters in, in all the boxes. I'm going to erase your numbers, Jesus, and I'm going to start putting in letters. Jesus is going, what are you doing? That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. That's what's going on here. He says, I I tell you, the, the, the whole thing is every sin... Every sin can be forgiven. Every sin will be forgiven people. That's what I have come to do, is forgive the sins of people. I've come to take the punishment for their sin and give them my righteousness. But if you stand in rebellion of God and refuse to accept the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. And I know a lot of people get wrapped up and twisted on this verse, and they're like, I hope I don't commit that sin. I hope I don't commit that sin. That's the unpardonable sin. Every sin, Jesus says, can be forgiven except for this one, this Holy Spirit sin. And so I want to be really careful to not do that one. Let me me just affirm for you that if you are concerned about not doing this one, you're not doing this one. Part of the evidence is your desire to follow Him and to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence that you're not, not committing this sin. But for those who are standing apart and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that, And in this case, the Pharisees are not only saying, I don't want to receive the Holy Spirit and accept His work, I am accusing you of doing satanic work. And Jesus is going, then there is no hope. Until you are willing to repent and acknowledge that the kingdom of heaven is coming among you, and it's coming through the work of the Holy Spirit through me, There is no hope for you. 